from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. If wage pressures cooperate and we get some relief on the supply chain disruptions, then yes, double digits mm-hmm. uh, are certainly possible. But what a lot of people don't think about is how inflation is actually good for, for revenue, which drops right. to the bottom line. If margins can just hang in there, you know, even if you have, let's say, I don't know, five points of inflation this year, uh, that can be good for revenue and, and drop to the bottom line. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast with Ryan and Jeff here. Jeff, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk a little Super Bowl, um, kind of little sad in the Dietrich household. But you know what? The future is still bright, much like it was in your room just a second ago. Tell us, I mean, we had to do some finagle in there. How bright is it in Boston right now? Well, uh, it is pretty sunny today, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, it's not that warm. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll get in the 20s. But uh, it was it was a chilly morning. I think it was uh, seven degrees when I woke up. Oh wow! I didn't realize that. Um, well, stay warm. But yeah, we we had a had a little sun coming in the room. We had to fi- fix that for the uh, YouTube station. But I think we YouTube channel, I should say. But I think you're looking good there. So Jeff, there's a lot to talk about, and you and I have a team meeting in like 28 minutes or so. So we just have to get this podcast rolling. Um, who we're going to talk about this week, guys? There's a lot of a lot of stuff happening out there. Last week was a very very busy news week. Um, the big first question is, you know, will the Fed really hike interest rates by 50 basis points in March? Um, that's been out there. Uh, some Fed governors and Fed presidents are talking that way. We're going to give our uh, two cents on where that stands. Also, it was Valentine's Day yesterday. Uh, we do record this on Tuesday. We're going to talk about the always very popular LPL research Valentine's Day inflation indicator. And we'll also probably talk a little bit about inflation in general when we talk about the Fed. And then corporate America continues to impress. There's a lot of things to be worried about, absolutely, although the time we're recording this, we have some good news potentially out of Russia and the Ukraine, but that is far from over. But still, there are some really good things on the fundamental front. So, Jeff, just for a few minutes, the season is over. Um, what was your take on the Super Bowl? Given I'm biased, I want your take first. Yeah, I mean, it was a good game. I, I was glad to see it you know, stay close at the end. Uh, unlike the unfortunate Super Bowl uh, last year when, you know, the Chiefs just got blown out. So that was good. You know, I, I enjoyed the halftime show. The um, the commercials were pretty good overall, I thought, but, you know, some people were a little bit disappointed there. So, um, yeah, you know, overall, I'd, I'd say a good game, but, you know, I didn't have a dog in the fight. So my experience was different than yours, certainly. Yeah, it was, you know, as a Bengals fan, it was very, tough I guess you're right there then you see the play on the very last play when Joe Burrow gets hit and th- ball gets thrown away at the very last play when it's fourth and one Jamar Chase is literally wide open <laughs> and it would have been a touchdown uh, but the offensive line got him at the end but anyway it, it was a fun season and hopefully the future is bright for the Bengals with Joe Burrow it was a fun week on the YouTube channel I am sharing right now I Pulled out my Joe Burrow jersey when a playful, um, you know, Super Bowl indicator discussion. And I was put on the cover of Yahoo Finance holding up a Joe Burrow jersey. So it's not every uh, every day that happens. I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. But we're going to get into it now, guys. Uh, Jeff, let me get my notes here now. Um, You know, last week, uh, the CPI came in hot. But I think the bigger take was Bullard was saying, you know, 50 basis point hike is needed. He's been hawkish for a while. Fed Governor Bullard uh, or Fed President Bullard, I should say. What, what's your take? I mean, the market now is pricing in nearly uh, six rate hikes. We can either talk six rate hikes or 50 basis points. I, I don't care. We're going to get to both of them. Just give us your thoughts, Jeff, on what all happened last week with what the Fed could do in future policy. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we all know we have an inflation problem, but I think what was a little bit, maybe game changers too dramatic, but a little bit different last week was how inflation broadened out yep. uh, to more categories, right? I mean, inflation is really, it's two stories. Uh, it's it's goods inflation and services inflation. Goods and Goods inflation might be coming down or it might've already peaked. Um, you know, that's largely related to supply chain issues, but services inflation is still going to take some time. A lot of labor challenges are going to take uh, a number of months to uh, sort out. So, um, you know, costs are rising and, um, you know, whether we peak this month or next month, uh, this inflation is going to be uh, a little bit sicker than we anticipated. That's got the Fed's attention. I, I still lean 25 base points, um, but, you know, certainly 50 is possible. And what gets me is the fact that they're still buying bonds. They're still doing Q, QE and, and, and adding to their balance sheet. So, you know, it makes sense to, you know, pull that back first <laughs> before you do anything dramatic uh, with rates. So that, that has me leaning a bit towards 25. Yeah. Well, I am no economist. I'm no fixed income expert. I play one on TV sometimes. I'm in the 25 camp also. Uh, when Bullard said, you know, 50 basis points was needed, 100 uh, basis point hike by July, uh, total you know, market got pretty worked up on that middle of last week, along with the very hot continual hot CPI number. By the way, this morning, and I haven't really had a ton of time to look into it, the PPI just came out before we started recording this on the producer level. That came in, take a wild guess, hotter than expected. Um, you know, even December was revised higher. So there's still these issues with inflation. But Jeff, you know, Bullard is only one person, right? At the end of the day, you could say um, what Jerome Powell has to say is probably matters more, but it still matters. San Francisco Daily, said um, against a 50 basis point hike uh, in, in March is that's um, um, destabilizing. Kansas City, your neck of the woods. Kansas City, George said it's too soon 50 basis point hike. Instead, shrink the balance sheet. That's kind of what you just mentioned there. Instead of doing QE, maybe we can shrink the balance sheet instead of doing interest rates to, to help combat inflation. And then Richmond's Barkin said you need to, uh, he needs, or it seems a she, she needs convinced uh, of a 50 basis points, um, needs convinced before she'll believe in 50 basis points. And Bostic from Atlanta, who we joked had the swear jar with the word transitory, uh, he said three or four hikes, no 50 basis point hikes. So what I'm getting at, there's a lot of headlines about 50, but there are different people in the Fed, and not all of them are sitting on 50 basis points. Um, so that's anything to add on that, Jeff? I want to go a different angle on the yield curve. Anything to add on the different voices that are out there? Yeah, well, that, that's where I was going to go next is the yield oh. curve, Ryan, because I mean that's why this really matters. Right. Whether they do 25 or 50, I mean, what we care about um, is, well, two things, right? The yield curve, which is a a very effective um, recession indicator, mm -hmm. right? So they got a long way to go before they invert the yield curve and push short-term rates above long-term rates. That That's uh, certainly um, important. And the other factor to keep in mind is that it's going to take a, a number of months before these rate hikes affect the economy. They, they impact the economy with a lag. And so whether they get 25 or 50 basis points, you know, it's probably going to be more than six months before we see any impact. From that, so um, you know, market might be getting a little too focused on the 25 versus 50. Should probably think a little bit longer term. Uh, and as we look to the end of the year, we could see lower inflation and the impact of these rate hikes on growth, which you know could put even further downward pressure on inflation beyond what we would get otherwise. No, excellent point. Our friends at Goldman said there could be seven hikes 
this year in 2022. Fed fund futures are flirting with six potential hikes. You know, the bottom line, I think, is rate hikes are coming. Will the first one be 50 or not? We'll see. Uh, again, we haven't seen a 50 point uh, or 50 basis point hike since the year 2000, right? It's been a been a very long time since we've seen that, but it, it potentially could happen. Our friends at Strategus, I thought, put together a really interesting report. So last week, the 210 yield curve, that's the difference between the two-year yields and the 10-year yields, right? Historically, you're going to have a higher yield for longer-term maturities, but when things get a little squirrely, that can change. You have an inverted yield curve when the two-year yield is above the 10-year yield. Kind of confusing. Just no inverted yield curve is a recessionary watch. About 15 months on average after you get an inversion, market tends, I'm sorry, the economy tends to go into recession. We had an inverted yield curve in October, I'm sorry, August, August of 2019, before the 100-year pandemic happened. Did the bond market sniff it out? I have no idea, but the bond market, you could say, was sniffing around something there and, and was accurate with that warning sign. So what we're getting at, we just cracked 50 basis points last week on the 210. That kind of got some um, press. Again, it's not inverted yet, but again, it happened. Our friends at Strategus took a look. Um, in the late 70s, there was a time, well, what I'm getting at is when you hit 50 basis points and then go to inversion, okay? So it took 10 months to do that in the late 70s, four months in the late 80s, 43 months um, in the mid 90s from breaking 50 basis points until inversion, uh, nine months in 2005 and six, and then 17 months back in 18 and 19. So, you know, it's not perfect, but again, we're not even inverted yet. And after you're inverted, then you're kind of the clock, stop, the um, stop uh, stopwatch has started, I guess we could say, or the shot clock, better word to use, shot clock has started. Um, Jeff, I mean, what, what's your take? Could we have, a, I've talked a long time here, could we have a 1990s scenario where the yield curve, you know, flattens and it just kind of just hangs out for potentially years as the economy grows, or could it be a much faster one? I mean, every time is different. No one knows. What's your take here? Yeah, well, if, if you think that the 10-year yield is going to go above two over the next couple of years, then you need a lot of rate hikes, maybe eight, right, at least, to um, invert the curve. Right. Uh, I mean, it depends whether you're looking at three-month treasury yields or two-year treasury yields. But let, let's just say you have to price in eight hikes, uh, potentially, or seven hikes, maybe, to get that inverted yield curve if the 10-year yield is north of 2%. So that's going to take some time. I also like the study, Ryan, uh, we did where we looked at the the time that passes between the first Fed rate hike of a cycle yep. and the end of the bull market. And it's like 36 months on average, something like that. Uh, a little more than that, actually. So, um, you know, that tells us that we've got, you know, stock market gains ahead over the next couple of years and that this, um, you know, the Fed jitters are not going to end the bull market anytime soon. Uh, great point. I think we talked about that, I think, last week, actually, on this podcast. And again, just to um, confuse everybody, this is a bear flattening yield curve. What that simply means is yields are still going up. It's just the short end of the curve is going up faster than the long end of the curve. And again, our friends of Strategus have pointed this out in different places, but that's not always as bad of a sign when the yield curve is flattening, when you have a bear, a bear flattening yield curve. So again, I just blown some heads up with that, but just something to, uh, to be aware of. Jeff, any final comments before we move forward from the uh, Fed rate hike and inflation discussion? Let's keep moving. Let's do it. So we're going to, so clearly the, some big news 
uh, with Russia and Ukraine. Going to spend a little bit here because we've got a lot of questions on this. On the YouTube channel, Jeff is smiling. First time he's seen this. <laughs> Sometimes I like to surprise Jeff as well with the goofy stuff I add. Um, I've got a picture of, of Vladimir Putin talking to his defense secretary, and it's just comical at how he always uses these extremely long tables. It's like a 13-foot-long table. I, I get COVID and this and that, but this is a little, little extreme. So if you're watching the YouTube channel, you'll see what's going on. But it's no laughing matter, obviously. Some really good news potentially came out that Russia, again, who knows by the time you listen to this podcast, but Russia is removing some troops uh, from, from kind of the hot zone there with, with the Ukraine. Markets are bouncing significantly. Jeff, talk to me a little bit, and on the YouTube channel, we're sharing it. What historically does happen, though, during a lot of these geopolitical events? Yeah, it, well, first, it's just so hard to predict what's going to happen here. Right. Um, so I'm not even going to try. But, um, you know, from a market perspective, um, stocks have been really resilient uh, over the, um, you know, the course of time with uh, events like this. I mean, the major, major events, you, you can't compare this to uh, Pearl Harbor, obviously. Uh, but the, um, you, you know, the average, let's call it tier two geopolitical event. Um, you know, stocks maybe pull back four or 5%. Uh, it only takes about three weeks to get to the bottom uh, and sort of price that event in. And then, you know, the recovery starts. And, you know, you can see here on this chart that uh, on average, it takes 43 days to, to recover. That's, you know, not even two months. So, um, you know, you get some volatility around these things, but, but stocks really come back quickly. Uh, historically. So we would expect this case to be uh, no different and, um, you know, hopefully uh, even quicker recovery than than uh, the historical average, in fact. Absolutely. And we're clearly watching it closely. But again, there's um, there's some signs that say history, you could have a near term volatility. Absolutely. But once you can get past that, we're not minimizing the impact of the lives and what's happening in that part of the world, that region. But again, from an investment's point of view, uh, you kind of have to remember the economy is still growing. We're going to talk about the economy at the end of this, but the economy is still pretty strong. Um, yeah, we've got inflation. Things aren't perfect. But again, a strong economy can make up for a, a lot of sins, potentially. Um, and again, we wrote about this uh, LPLresearch.com, our blog, a couple of weeks ago. You go to LPLresearch.com in the search bar, just type in the word Russia. All right. And it'll it'll pull up uh, that blog from a few weeks ago with the with the slide with all the different major geopolitical events. And thank you to our very good friend, Sam Stovall over at CFRA. Uh, Sam shared that's this uh, this data with us in these events as Sam is. Uh, I don't want to say he's done this for a long time, but maybe he'd be OK with me saying that he's done it for a long time. So he's he's got some really great information. So thanks, Sam. All right, Jeff, let's go forward. It was Valentine's Day. Maybe let's talk about Valentine's Day just for a minute. What did the bookbinder household do last night on Valentine's Day? Well, we um, we did what we've done most nights. We stayed in, yep. and uh, we're a little bit more COVID cautious than, than most. But um, I, I got what I thought was a clever gift. Uh, I ordered some heart shaped pizzas there you that go. we can make it at, at home. So um, I was pretty proud of myself for finding that, mm -hmm. and um, you know we'll we'll enjoy those. Um, other than that, just kind of a, you know, relaxing night at home. How about uh, the Dietrichs? Yeah, we spent something more exciting than that. Not really. Honestly, no. So my mom flew down to watch the Super Bowl with us, uh, which was really cool. So she's in town. So we had a babysitter. Now, we didn't do anything. We just went to like a little Mexican place right down the street because my daughter, Susanna, who's 14, had to babysit some neighbor kids. First time ever. Long story short, she's texting Emily, my wife, uh, at dinner. 
And she's like, they stole my phone. Well, I don't know how this makes sense. They stole my phone. She must've got the phone back. But anyway, the little boy took the phone, ran in the bathroom, locked the door, acted like he flushed it down the toilet. She's like almost hysterical in tears. They broke something. It was, um, it was quite an adventure getting these text messages. Um, you know, all the, she got 60 bucks out of the whole thing, but I don't know if she's going to do that again. So everybody might have a story with the babysitter, but that was interesting. But anyway, it was, it was nice. Got Emily some flowers and some candy and just kind of, kind of took it easy. Uh, didn't, didn't do too much, honestly, to be blunt after the Super Bowl, I think I was emotionally drained and she might've been as well. So we just didn't feel like doing, doing too much. Um, but Jeff, let's talk about it. It's always a popular one. The, we call it the LPL Research Valentine's Day Index or Valentine's Day Inflation Index, where we look at uh, different factors, right, of, you know, how much is it to cost how, with jewelry or staying in or going out, um, you know, traveling, some of these fun things. Um, you know, we did find that when we, well, actually, let me see, let me go to this next slide here. So we broke it down by the night in, a night out, jewelry, and then a vacation getaway. And when we combine all of those, thank you to Barry Gilbert, on the team who did a lot of the legwork putting this together, we found that inflation was up right about 7% last year on our Valentine's Day index, which was right about where CPI was. So it wasn't uh, drastically more expensive to take your sweetheart out. But Jeff, you see on the YouTube channel, and I'm pretty sure you read the weekly commentary. I know you appeared it. Which part cost more? If someone were to do one of the four things, night in, night out, jewelry, or vacation, which one jumped the most there? Yeah, vacation. Uh, and that fits. Uh, you know, one of the reasons we were low-key on Valentine's Day is we're, um, we're heading on a vacation on uh, Sunday. So uh, I know you've got a, uh, a sub ready to fill in for me next week here. So, um, Jeff, that's not true. There's no, well, maybe they'll fill in, but to call it a sub, it's not possible. Medium-sized shoes to fill. Do, How about that? All we can. Uh, no promises how good the podcast is next week. <laughs> so uh, vacation getaway, uh, you saw the biggest increase. And that makes sense. That's the reopening surge. Uh, I'll say I, I experienced that to the, I mean, flying from Boston to Florida during uh, school vacation is always very expensive because yeah. the whole state basically goes there at the same time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I can tell you, I, I really felt that inflation in the vacation getaway uh, mm -hmm. category for sure. Um you know, that's, you know, there's several, I, I simplified inflation to say it's kind of goods and services, but it's actually even more complicated than that. It's really, there's a reopening push that's affecting plane tickets and hotels and things like that. There's supply chain disruptions that are affecting like used cars, uh, you know, supply chain driven goods inflation. Uh, and then there's wage pressures that are coming from the fact that places can't staff. Um, you know, the local Starbucks here, as an example, had to close down completely they wow. can't find enough staff which i thought i would never see so um there, there's different components to the inflation story but the vacation getaways that that is probably uh one of the hottest areas of inflation uh right now i i would say so that's clearly captured uh with that 11.9 percent uh year over year increase there absolutely i mean as someone who's been traveling a good deal for work over the past we'll call it uh, two months or so give or take um, I can tell you, airports are full, rental car desks are always really crowded, and hotels sure seem like they're rather full as well. Um, so, so that's good stuff. I mean, if you look at jewelry, jewelry's up about 7%, right about in line with inflation, and a night in and a night out 
actually the cheapest way is a night in. So congratulations, up about 4% last year. So congrats, Jeff, on, on, on that one. Now, I did the night out last night, technically, but I saved money on a babysitter. So that was... Um, that was that was very smart of me, very budget friendly, I guess we'll say. Uh, Barry did point out here that you know some of the bigger jumps in inflation last year: energy commodities up forty nine percent, used cars and trucks, as we've talked a lot about, up thirty seven percent. Obviously, those were not factored in to the Valentine's Day inflation indicator because you know they don't make sense for for Valentine's Day. I guess you could buy your Valentine a car. I guess. I mean, that's. I feel pretty cheap now that I got flowers and candy only, but, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, so, so this is a fun one. You can check it out on LPL.com um, on our, on our main uh, corporate website, scroll down just a little bit. And there's the weekly commentary there. And again, just kind of a fun look at how, how prices uh, potentially change. I mean, Jeff, any final comments on inflation in general or on the inflation um, our indicator before we move forward? Probably the, the worst part about the night in is that you have to run the heat, at least up here in the Northeast. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I have oil heat and man, have we seen prices increase there. So um, any place you see energy prices <laughs> as a factor, you're going to see a lot of inflation. Although the Ukraine de-escalation, at least that's how it looks now, yep. uh, certainly going to put some downward pressure on oil prices. I know it is uh, this morning. That That is a big piece of the vacation getaway as well and why you're seeing um, airline prices rise. Yeah, good point. I think Natty Gas was up this morning, but but clearly crude oil down down pretty significantly this morning, at least on that news. And I guess we we had a room full of people for the Super Bowl, our house full of people really for the Super Bowl, and it was hot. And I turned our heat down. We had so many people there, so even though it was kind of cold here in the Carolinas, that's one way to heat your house: throw a bunch of people in there yelling and screaming at the TV. But Jeff, you kind of hinted at. I want to I want to get your take before we talk about the economy. Where did you rank the halftime show? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say one of the one of the more entertaining ones, just the, the set and the, you know, the um, dance choreography, I thought was was pretty cool. Um, I mean, you know, hip hop rap, that's not really my thing, but I like it enough to appreciate it. So, um, you know, it was one of the better ones. But boy, there's been some big names. Right. I mean, a lot of people talk about Prince. Like, I, yep. I think that was possibly the best yep. uh, that, that, that I've ever seen. I don't. I don't remember the, well, Michael Jackson, I vaguely remember, you know, it's hard to compare uh, big names like that, but yeah, this, this was one of the better ones. I thought, how about, how about you? Yeah, Did you enjoy I, it? I, yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, by no means am I a big rap fan, more of a rock guy. My wife though, I could tell you was extremely, I mean, I think every woman at our house was extremely excited about uh, about this one so it was it was definitely i think a hit with a lot of people i mean the joke is what if you're under 30 you're like who are these people if you're over 50 you're like this is terrible but that that kind of range in the middle for the most part um uh, i think was walked away quite happy and the funny thing about prince I mean, it's not funny it's just i just remember this so I, he he when he did his performance if you go back and google it you know watch prince's performance it was like raining or at least it was wet and it was really slippery and like Prince and all the singers and everybody wore like really high stilettos and, you know, slippery shoes, I guess we'll call it. And they said, do you want to change it? He's like, no, we're not changing anything. And they still did it. And it was really slippery. You could almost argue dangerous, but he, he nailed it. So that's one thing people may, might not remember about his halftime performance was it was <laughs> literally skating when he did it and he, he nailed it. So I think I was still ranks number one, but this one was, Pretty good. I think we'll leave it at that. I, call me old fashioned. I still want to see Guns N' Roses play like Welcome to the Jungle or something because it just was played so many it's so many stadiums. But, you know, anyway, this was a really good one. So, Jeff, we've got a couple more minutes left because, again, you and I do have a team meeting we have to be at. Um, 
let's talk about the economy. I mean, we talked about some of the negative things that are out there. Earnings sure looks like it's still, I mean, we, I'm broken record, you're broken record, but it's a good broken record. Earnings keep coming in better and better every week. Tell me about it. Yeah, we're, we're now tracking to 30% year-over-year earnings growth. And, you know, Q4 of 2020, you know, a lot of the economy had already opened. So this is not a case where you're comparing uh, earnings now to a lockdown quarter, right? So that that is really impressive. It's nine percentage points above the expectations when earnings season began. This is several points higher than I thought we'd get. We talked about this on this podcast. Uh, you know, this was set up to be kind of a typical quarter, maybe five, six points of upside, I think was a reasonable expectation. Frankly, most people had. I don't think anybody expected this kind of upside. So, you know, you know, why does this matter? Uh, it matters because, you know, over time, stocks follow the fundamentals and earnings are the you know, the, the foundation of fundamentals. And so if we can continue to grow earnings, um, there you see it on the slide, the next 12 months earnings, we can continue this upward trend. It makes stocks cheaper and cheaper and puts just upward pressure on them. Now, of course, valuations is an important part of this too. And as interest rates rise, that puts downward pressure on valuations. But, you know, stocks are a few points cheaper than they were at the valuation peak already. And our interest rates maybe you know finding some stability here. You you put that together with this really nice earnings uptrend that we think is going to continue through 2022 and into 2023. Uh, you have the makings of of higher stock prices. You know, will it be bumpy? Sure, but um, this is a really uh, positive story here for for folks who may be you know nervous about inflation, nervous about geopolitics, uh, the midterm elections, or anything else. Yeah, Fed, Fed, you know, what, uh, how are you going to fix the Bengals offensive line? There's just lots and lots of things to be worried about. Um, Jeff, you know, we've only got a couple of minutes, but I think at the start of the year, S&P 500 earnings were expected to be up about six or seven percent. I know it's higher now. Can we hit double digits, you think, after this strong, uh, strong start to the year? Or what, what, what's, what's your take on earnings where we could finish up this year? Yeah, if wage pressures cooperate and we get some relief on the supply chain disruptions, then yes, double digits. Uh, are certainly possible. Uh, you know, I've underestimated the earnings power of corporate America throughout most of this cycle. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I'm doing it again now. Um, it'll be close, but uh, yeah, certainly um, possible. What what a lot of people don't think about is how inflation is actually good for for revenue, which drops right. to the bottom line. So, you can just if margins can just hang in there. Uh, you know, even if you have, let's say, I don't know, five points of inflation this year. Uh, that can be good for revenue and, and drop to the bottom line. No, that's excellent. Good points there. I mean, so again, things aren't perfect, but earnings do drive long-term stock gains and earnings still look really impressive. Jeff, final thing, you mentioned Florida. Which part of Florida are you going to next week? Yeah, we're actually going to the um, the Gulf side. We are going to uh, Sanibel Island, which oh. is a change of plan. We were going to Disney, but just decided... Yep. Um, you know, that was a little too crowded for us right now. That's interesting. So really looking forward to it. Yeah. You ever been there before? Um, I I haven't been to that part of Florida since I was a kid. So mm -hmm. it's been, well, actually, you know what? I take that back. I had a business trip to Naples once, but it was really quick, you sure. know, in and out. Um, other than that, for, for pleasure, it's been a very long time. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. 
No, it's a nice little island. I mean, I literally went there every summer. My parents had a condo there when I was a kid. Uh, unit 44 at cool. Seashells of Sanibel. So if you're staying at Seashells of Sanibel, they sold it. They don't have it anymore. But we, we used to go there a lot. Um, the food is great. Um, you go over to Captiva Island, little island next to it, and check out the Mucky Duck. I know the girls will like that place. That's a cool cool place as well. So anyway, now I'm jealous. Oh, oh and Grandma, Grandma Dots. You absolutely have to go to Grandma Dots and get a grouper sandwich and just send me a picture of it and I'll just taste it through my phone because I'm jealous now, Jeff. That's awesome. I'm writing that anyway, down. Yeah, Thanks we need recommendations. We, we, we got we to end this. We can talk offline about this because I love eating <laughs> in Santa Bella. It is a great place. Anyway, well, guys, thank you uh, as, as as always for joining the podcast this week. Thanks to Neil, our producer, for helping us um, get this out there. We've been hitting a lot of a lot more listens and follows and different things as market volatility. People came to us to see what we had to say, which we really appreciate that. And we will continue to do this podcast as long as you guys keep listening. But Jeff won't next week because he's going to be eating some Grandma Dodd's grouper sandwiches. And I am jealous. So we'll see Jeff in two weeks. I'll be back next week. With I'm leaning on Scott. If anyone has um, anybody that they want to uh, from the team you want, just let me know. Maybe I'll take a vote on this. But I'm leaning on Scott Brown coming in uh, next week. Maybe we'll talk a little more market technicals with Scott. But with that, Jeff and I have a meeting in like 30 seconds. <laughs> so we got to go. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.